Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the BMcast, not a podcast that finds a way to squeeze in one more preview season by adding over 750 new cards to a digital-only format on a client whose economy is not only extremely inefficient, but also inflexible and borderline predatory, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm out of breath and I'm joined by the courageous outrider herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yes, I'm doing okay, thanks. Um, busy because, as you mentioned in your introduction, there is another preview season, so I have been swamped with Historic Horizons and the 782 oh, cards yeah. that are coming to that set. So thanks, Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> it's not like we needed another preview season. Mm. Um, in terms of content, I have a few pieces making the rounds uh, over this week if you're into D&D and Age of Sigma, which is like the fantasy Warhammer version. Um, so over at Polygon, I did a review of Age of Sigma's Dominion, which is like the third edition big box set. Um, goes, I go into detail on what you get, how to play it, and you know how is the edition for new players if you're looking to get into the game. Um, mm. Also, I have a debut piece going up at a place called Wargamer that do a lot of D&D content. Um, and I did a big write-up about the Ranger class in D&D nice. 5th edition. Um, think of it more as a guide on what the class offers, best builds, and what spells to take, and stuff like that. So if you're looking to play as a Ranger and you're new to the game, it's a good starting point. Sweet. Otherwise, I've been jumping back into Stardew Valley, and there's just something really innocent growing a little farm and having some cows and just helping hmm. the community. And how about you? What have you been up to? Yeah. yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've been playing a lot more Commander again this week. Um, really enjoying my SEOR and Arden deck. It's just super value-oriented Voltron that uses loads of artifact synergies with the equipment and basically never runs out of gas at all. So I've been playing with that solidly and it's been a blast. Um, same with Lely of the Blade Reforged, which I've taken a few players out with the last week. I was playing nice. yesterday with ALK Alters and uh, killed them at the last possible opportunity. So that was good. Nice. My article this week is about underplayed budget cards for Commander, which, in case you couldn't tell by last week, you know, that's a topic that's absolutely packed with great picks and great choices. So that's live now on Card Kingdom. So if you didn't get enough of that last week, you can head on over there after this episode and get the lowdown on some more cards. Outside of Magic, I'm still playing Final Fantasy XIV and I'm really enjoying it. I'm at around level 50 now, I think. Nice. Um, is there what's the level cap in fourteen? Is it or is it just So I think the free trial brings you up to I think it's level sixty. Um right. but I believe the full level cap is like level eighty. That's not bad. The weights so, to go then. Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. And also, if you like max out a level on a job, like I play a Dragoon at the moment, you can just go to another guild and be like, I wanna be a gladiator now or I want to be an archer now or whatever and you just start from level one again and you just keep nice. you just go through. So Also good shout on Dragoon. Dragoons are cool. Oh, it's like from like Final Fantasy Four. I thought Kane was just badass with his little pixelated <laughs> little dragon hat. It's like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. Also, I've been getting very distracted by streamers playing the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters. Mm, they that look looks good. Really good. Yeah, it's really good. I'm not a huge fan of the font that they're using because it's a little too modern. It it just yeah. it seems a little out of place. It is very easy to read. It's very easy on the eyes, but. It doesn't quite fit. It doesn't complement the whole pixelated sort of aesthetic, does it? I get it because it helps players to read and stuff, and that's the important yeah. thing here. But it's just on an aesthetic sort of thing, it's just like, kind of wish it was pixelated. Or you had the option to make it pixelated. Yeah, it definitely reminds you that you're playing a remaster. Yes. Yeah, yeah. A couple things before we get into the main part of the episode. Have we got any housekeeping? 
We do. We have a flurry of patrons this week. So we Ooh. would like to give a warm welcome to Edward Whitney and Anton Clement for becoming patrons of the Cheering Fanatic tier. Also, nice. a huge thanks to Mickey Paris for becoming a patron of the Stonks tier. So once again, thank you very much. Your support means the world to us. And enjoy the BMCast benefits on the Patreon. Yeah. If you enjoy the BMCast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so before we jump into the main section of the episode, Emma, I believe it's your turn. Have you got a card of the week for us? I do have a card of the week this week, and I know it's from like Throne of Eldraine, and people are a little bit sketchy about it, but this one seems pretty good. I actually quite like this card a lot in Commander, and that's Okam Adversary. So for three generic and a green, you get a creature elf warrior that is a two-three, and it reads, this spell costs two less to cast if an opponent controls a green permanent. It has death touch. And also, whenever it attacks, um, or does combat damage to a player, sorry, um, it draws a card. So, in a commander setting, this essentially reads as green dark confidant, because it draws you cards, and, mm-hmm. you know, since green is such a powerful colour in EDH, and the cost reduction is really easy to meet in an EDH pod, so you're paying two mana for this a lot of the time. Yep. Fa- it's fantastic in creature-based decks, because you can either be offensive or defensive, the death touch is really relevant here, mm-hmm. you can get in for some card draw, or you can use it to trade upwards. Um, and if I know you're not big into competitive commander, Scott, but in CDH it sees a lot of play just because yeah. CDH is very light on the creatures, so this always manages to get in and draw cards. And lastly, it does have the elf typing, which can be relevant in commander too. Yeah. Overall, this card is great. <laughs> I am a huge fan of this card in particular because of the way that it works and the way that it runs. Mm. And that is that it is powerful at any power level. You know, it's not like you're not going to land this at a low power table and people be like, oh, my God, that's busted. We're not playing high power over here. You know, it's just really good. It's as good as the rest of the cards in your deck because that's what it gives you. So, yeah, huge fan of this. Huge fan. Plus, who doesn't want card draw and it's 35 cents? Yeah. It's great. (laughs) Such good value. This this is probably going to make it into our um, cards to pick up on rotation episode, I would say. Yes, I would pick up many of these cards because it just seems really good. Um, For sure. Does everything you wanted to do in green. Yeah. So, a week or two ago, one of our good friends, Kilgore Trout 503 over on the BMCast Discord, asked us the question, what are cool ways to pimp out your deck on a budget? And I said that, you know, yeah, we'll definitely put this in as a question to answer in the episode, but it's actually something that we were considering to do a full episode on in the future. And lo and behold, here it is. We're doing an episode about blinging out decks on a budget. And when we say bling, we're talking about stuff like, uh, you know, special versions of cards and that kind of thing. It doesn't necessarily mean the more expensive options and that kind of thing. It's just ways to customize your decks and make them your own and that kind of thing. So before we jump into this, I have a little spiel. Okay. Surprise, surprise. It has actually been a long time since I've had a rant, but this isn't a rant. This is actually a spiel this time. Yeah. We've downgraded it's... the rants to spiels. I like yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What threat level is this rant? Eh, spiel. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
to give a little bit of backstory on this spiel, okay, because I'm going to be talking for, I would say, no more than about two minutes on this. The background on this is I wrote an article on why budget bling is important before, and it's been sitting in the drafts for me. I haven't found the right place to use it. So I figured I'd just take some of it and, well, put it here, because I, I feel it helps set up the episode very well, and I think it's relevant. I think it's important that people hear stuff like this. So... It's two questions, essentially. Why is bling important and why is budget bling important? So to start about why is bling important. So when someone compliments you, for example, on your choice of basics, that your old border commander looks stunning in foil or that they've never seen a deck look so good, there is a sense of pride in that. You know, showing off your love for your hobby by beautifying it is nothing new either. You know, just take a look at like car enthusiasts with like detailing and decals, tabletop role players, the collections of stunning dice, or PC gamers with immaculate setups and, and neon strips and everything. If something brings you joy, it's completely understandable to want to display it, and magic is no exception to this. Decks are inherently a personal thing. It doesn't matter whether you're playing with the list that you found online or your own completely unique brew. The cards in your hands are uniquely yours and they will only be played in your own way. So this is just one aspect of the self-expression available to you in Magic. Every choice that you make matters and they all add up to your own unique experience. Now, why is budget bling important? The idea that someone has to spend excessive amounts of money to be able to visually express their love for their interests is one that I've always seen as being deeply flawed. Money should not be the limiting factor for personalization and self-expression, but rather one's passion and imagination instead. The printing of multiple different versions of cards may seem excessive or unnecessary at first glance, but to settle on this opinion based solely on one's own situation is uninformed at best. No one should feel stuck with the standard version of every card if they don't want to, and these additional printings do wonders to help prevent this. Budget playing can do more for inclusivity and growth than budget alone. It shows that the hobby is welcome to all, and that it's somewhere that anyone of any background can feel that they can be themselves and display it with pride. And that's it. That's the end of the I spiel. agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> there is this like stigma with bling, just the word of it. Everyone assumes, mm. oh, it must mean you have to spend loads of money. It has to be high end. And it's like, mm. it's not the case. Just because something looks different doesn't mean it's expensive. Um, it. We're luckily to live in a time, especially in Magic, where there's all these different kinds of borders and frames and you can get non-foil versions, you can get foil versions, you have all the secret lair stuff as well. Yep. So there's a lot of personalization with your decks and your cards and it, like cubes are a great example of that, right? You see yeah. loads of people just, like myself, I've, like, I have a really unique looking cube just thanks to all the frames on offer. And a side note to that is with all these different versions and frames and stuff, it makes the cards more affordable. Yeah. So, like that is the best thing about it so if you don't like that then i think you're part of the problem but yeah like <laughs> budget bling's great yeah so with all that said let's jump into different ways to bling out on a budget we're finally getting to the point of the episode Yay. let's go so only been 12 minutes <laughs> one further point before we go further i'm not actually joking this time i think there is actually one are more you point are you just doing pre-announcements <laughs> of announcements listen not actually right. Listen, I'm not the one doing a price hike now, come on. Uh, <laughs> so, a disclaimer on this, we're not actually putting a budget limit on anything here. Not only does affordability mean different things from person to person, but there are so many different choices and options at all budget levels that there is definitely something in every category for everyone. So, there's no point in just pointing out like, oh, here's something for like 20 cents or 50 cents or whatever, when someone might be like, that's great, but I want to spend $10 or something, yeah. you know? So you might just need to like do a little bit of research but these are the these are the good starting points in which to 
to branch out from. So first things first, in terms of non-card options, Emma, it's not just about the cards, is it? No, it's about the accessories. So while cards are important, you need them to play magic, but a part of the deck's aesthetic can be extended to like playmats and sleeves and deck boxes and mm. you know even the dice that you use. Um, I know loads of people that you know are particular fans of a you know a particular planeswalker or a particular character, and they will just like Mana Curves is a really good example of this with Chandra. Like they they mm. have all the Chandra stuff. They have Chandra playmats, Chandra deck boxes, Chandra sleeves a lot, and you get a lot of people that will just want to show off that they appreciate this character, even if they're not playing a deck around it they'll still yeah. you know show it off and coordinating all of that is just a really big impact it's a really good way just to kind of show off like yeah i love you know chandra i love lily mm-hmm. i love you know tamio like tamio is a, a favorite of mine so i have the japanese anime tamio playback because i think it yeah. looks great so yeah like with uh, layla like the blade reforge i imagine you've got a lot of personality added to your new yeah. deck yeah, yeah, you might have seen this already. The, my Lady of the Blade Reforged deck, when I put it together, I was like, I want to make a statement with this. As, as if the commander wasn't a statement enough. Like, every time someone sees it, they're like, what are you playing? Yeah. But, like, the deck has red sleeves. It's got a red deck box. It looks super vibrant, really clean. It makes me want to take it out and play with it as well. Like, That's good. It's, it's nice new sleeves. It, everything is just makes a statement about it. It also happens that the deck is really cool and awesome, and people love it every time it comes out. But... That's the kind of thing. And speaking of sleeves, like a new pack of sleeves is possibly one of the best ways to quote unquote bling out your deck. Because not only will it look cleaner and nicer, but like it feels good when you're shuffling as well. You know, and there's loads of different options too. Like you can get nice art sleeves from Dragon Shield, hashtag not sponsored. Or you can splurge and get custom sleeves done. You know, you can go onto Dragon Shield or whoever and upload an image onto their site and they can print you out some sleeves and send them out to you. Like, they're not too expensive in the grand scheme of things. As well, another one, hashtag not sponsored, but Ultra Sleeves have, like, a ton of pre-made perfect fits that are designed for loads of the different commander staples and stuff. Yeah, they're really cool. Some of of the, yeah, some of the art and designs they've done are really nice. Yeah, for sure. And they worked with a bunch of different cosplayers and creators and stuff recently to do uh, collections and stuff. They're very affordable, so I would definitely recommend checking those out as well. Also, with Dragon Shields, hashtag not sponsored, um, <laughs> one thing that you get with those sleeves that I've found, because in a pack you get 100, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is really good, because 100 means you get to sleeve a commander deck. Yep. Sometimes with like KMCs, you get to have to buy two packs to sleeve a commander deck, which can work out a little more. Mm-hmm. The best thing about the Dragon Shield sleeves, you often get like 102 or 103 sleeves in it because they account for the fact that some might split later on. So you mm. still get a little more than you would what this says on the box. And I just think that's great customer yeah. service. Like they, they have my custom on that alone. And plus they are good quality um, for like yeah. Commander. They're perfect. And for my cube, like all my cube cards are in there as well. But yeah, it's just one thing to keep up, just to think about. Like if you want an extra few sleeves and if like one's split in the box, you're good. You're still going to have 100. Yeah. For sure. Um, so yeah, getting a nice deck box is also a good way to make your um, you know, your deck feel nice and feel special and give it the attention it deserves. Um, mm-hmm. A fresh piece of kit can make it feel great, even if it's che- even if it's a cheap one. You don't have to spend like a high quality amount to get you know a nice deck box. A lot of the um, ult- like the ultra pro ones have like a nice art on them. Again, like your favorite planeswalkers or any art from like the current set. Yep. But yeah, deck boxes are pretty cheap. You can get them for a few dollars. But if you want something sturdy, like some of the bo- Ultimate Guard Boulder ones that I'm, I'm a fan of, hashtag not sponsored, you can get sturdy ones for like 20 to $30, depending on 
how many cards you want to fit in there because obviously commander decks are smaller uh, bigger than you know your constructed decks yeah absolutely another thing with deck boxes as well is that loads of magic product have a tendency to come with like a sticker or two here and there yes and you just cover your deck box like first of all it's it's much easier to point out if you ever lay it down anywhere you're like oh there's my deck you know but it also looks cool you know yes yeah it's a nice one it's like putting stickers and badges on like a pencil case at school yeah (laughs) it's that sort of uniqueness which is great taking accessory customization from the schoolyard to the battlefield yes (laughs) (laughs) and speaking of battlefields actually playmats playmats are your entire battlefield and yeah. you you want to make sure that you're happy looking at it, you know. It's not just now. Don't 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 go out and get some big anime titty playmats and then start bringing the tells yes. That's not what this is about. No, no. very bold. Don't do that. Bad player. But <laughs> but um, the playmats are a great choice for for blinging out stuff as well. You know, like I I know if you're a magic player and you've played with other people either at an LGS or around at a friend's house or whatever, and someone rolls out a sweet playmat, someone always compliments it. It's yeah. like the first thing people see, the playmat gets rolled out and they're like, oh, that looks sweet. And then you start talking about it. Yeah, and like, it's so easy to get your hands on some of these as well. People often sell excess playmats for cheap. I see it on, like, I'm very, very rarely ever on Facebook anymore, but there's an Irish trading page where people are like, you know, I've been to 20 GPs and I want to clear out an entire wardrobe. Yeah. So here's a hundred different playmats and they're like five euros each or something. You know, so easy to get your hands on something sweet and new like that loads of them are long lasting and look incredible like really really good i have a an Acoria one that's like from one of the like mutated squirrels or something and oh, yeah. it's it's a draft draft card but the, the playmat looks incredible you yeah. know um, also, yeah also what i like about playmats adjacent to that they make really good mouse mats for your computer they do i, I have I, ha- I have a wrath of god um invocation one right here i have an i have an ancestral visions Nice, nice. <laughs> Speaking of what's on the playmats themselves, you can get custom ones as well for mm. way cheaper than people think. You know, again, hashtag not sponsored, but Inked Gaming do custom playmats from $25. You just have to provide the image. And when it comes to the image, because I know this is something that a lot of people don't know, aren't necessarily well up on. Um, I certainly wasn't until I had more artist friends and, you know, was on Twitter more often. But... If you need art for a custom piece like a playmat or something, you can find countless designers and artists on Twitter who will happily do commissions. And in case you're worried about the cost or anything, it's usually much more reasonable than you might expect. There are some people that would offer to do, say, like avatars for like a profile picture or something for like $20 or something. And mm. you can do you can do larger designs for, say, like 50 or, or whatever. But it depends on the artist. Like doing a bit of research is, is really good for this. But... I got an Inked Gaming playmat, again, hashtag not sponsored, but I had my playmat designed by an artist friend of mine and got it printed and delivered for less than $100 all in. It, it, was, it was actually a birthday present from Leanne, my partner, but nice. it's incredible. Uh, like, I save it specifically, like, I don't use it as a mouse mat because I only use it when it comes to playing, you know, webcam commander. And I yeah. want to look really nice, you know, or I, yes. I'm taking it over to a friend's house or something, that kind of thing. So worth noting as well that when you get art commissioned like that, you usually have the digital form of the art to use wherever you like afterwards as well. Now, obviously, check with the artist on this one because some are a little different about this. But I have that digital art now and I can put that on whatever I want. You know, I can get a mug with my, you know, interesting Hawaiian shirt retro wave. Is it 
design. That's what I have on That's a combination that. of words I never thought I'd hear from you. <laughs> what are you talking about? Those are the three best things going. <laughs> Is it? Retrowave. Hawaiian. Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is great. What are you talking about? <laughs> but yes, uh, so like stuff like stuff like that, like e- even custom playmats are, are cheaper and more affordable than people think. Now, granted, it's not going to be in everyone's budget. Like completely get that. I just wanted to give a couple of different options. You know, you can just go and throw five dollars at someone who's getting rid of a bunch of GP mats or you can get a custom one done and they're all way more affordable than you think. Mm. And, like, some of these things might seem, like, real obvious, like, oh, get some new sleeves, get a deck box. But to me, to approach it in that kind of way is kind of reductive because it has a far greater impact than you think it does. You know, like, when you sleeve, when you re-sleeve a deck that you love and it feels great to hold again, like, that is a huge impact. I love re-sleeving. I'm a weirdo. I like sleeving it. Yeah. I'll go one further, right? I love double-sleeving as well because I double-sleeve a lot of my decks. Um, okay, okay. who hurt there, you? There, there is like, because I have foils <laughs> and stuff, so I keep them flat, um, especially uh-huh. in my cube. But yeah, it's, I just find it really cathartic. You just like put some music on, put a podcast on, put like your favorite Twitch streamer on, and you just sleep away. And it's just, it's really relaxing. Now, I do that. I do put the podcast on uh, while I'm it. listening or the or a stream or something like that. But I do that to make it better, not to I'm just, I make just, it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a distraction, like just something to keep, because I don't need to look what I'm doing. So I'm just like, okay. Yeah. I don't like bend it or you know mm. get stuck somewhere. I just like, yep, cool, done. I just find it really relaxing. That I'll does make me weird, it. but <laughs> I'm happy to sleep decks. Just like, just hit me up. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you know when I need more done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, in terms of outside of the deck itself, they are the main parts. You know, so like we said, sleeves, playmats, deck boxes, all this stuff matters a lot. They it has such a huge impact so moving on to the actual cards themselves the juicy meaty part of this the actual episode <laughs> yes well i don't know i would consider the other parts part of the episode now yeah. let's let's be real here but we do actually have loads of options here so we might actually have to start picking up the pace otherwise we'll be here until tomorrow yeah uh, so, <laughs> so where should we start with the cards so with card options it's always good to start with the basics and when i mean by basics i mean the basic lands Mm-hmm. Obviously, it depends on how many, if your deck runs any basics, as some of them do, some of them don't. Um, but there are so many different kinds available just because mm. they are in every set and there's different arts. Sometimes you get full arts, you get old frame, white border if you're a monster, or, you know, <laughs> promos or foils. Yeah. There's just like pick an art or design that you that you like and just buy as many as you want for your decks. And they don't have to be foiled, they don't have to be full art or unhinged, or basics for example, because they can be quite expensive. They could be like $10 a piece. Another good cool thing that I've seen people do with like basics is that is that they just pick their favorite artist and mm-hmm. just buy the basics of that artist. Because yep. a lot of the time, like people go to GPs and not at the moment, obviously, because COVID, but people will go to GPs and get them signed, which is a really cool yeah. way to, another way to make your, your deck look really unique. I like having nice basics for limited. So I play a lot of sealed and draft. And I kind of want some nice basics because that's the level of customization I can only do as a limited player. So mm. I'm going to get some nice old border basics just because I'm, I'm always going to use them, right? But yeah, ultimately, whatever you do makes you happy. So just pick ones you like the look of and play with them. Yeah. Um, you do have some cheaper fancy ones if you want that little bit of uniqueness. Um, so Double Masters is a really good example. They reprinted the full art unhinged ones in the new border. 
Um, and they range from like 90 cents. Um, I think that's in non-foil. And then yeah. you've got the really cool corset promo lands as well. The unique, the show-off frame ones, the exclusive yeah. to the set. They're like 70 cents as well. The ones I quite like are the Zendikar full arts. And this is like yeah. Zendikar Rising. I really like mm -hmm. the arts on those. I picked a bunch up of those for different taxes. And then the ones that I see a lot are the Amonkhet Hour of Devastation ones. I think they're the most yeah. common full arts I see. And that's not a bad thing. They're yep. just really, really nice. They're, they're really good, yeah. And then lastly, you have the D&D &D basics, which have flavor text on them, which are really unique on their own as well. If you're in, into D&D &D and you just want your your lands to have flavor text on them, which is not something we often see. Yeah, for sure. Basics are a huge part, in my opinion. Yeah. It's probably like step one of blinging out your deck. Because if I see someone putting out, you know, random basics or whatever, I don't think anything of it at all. Yeah. Like there's, there's no judgment there. It's like, yeah, you're playing basics that's not what i'm paying attention to in this game but when someone starts putting when someone puts out a nice looking basic i'm like oh that looks good you know and then they put out the same one again and i'm like ah <laughs> yes. they're they're deliberate in this okay nice i you think know. you can go one further right i think you can tell a lot about a person about how they present their deck and like the lands they use and things like that like sort of like their personality like are they organized do they have the same thing are they one of these mm -hmm. people that deliberately has one of each type of basic foils white border just to be you know a little different i think you can read a lot into a person about how they choose their arts and how they choose their frames and so forth it's quite interesting for the, for the most part yes uh, <laughs> i'm i'm kind of a weird hybrid in that sense in that uh, there are specific decks that i care an awful lot about where i will go to great lengths to make sure that the basics are the best ones that i have or the best ones i can find or the nicest or most suitable for the deck but there comes a point where you're like, I'm not going to put in an order to get like 50 basics by no. themselves. Like, I'm not bothered. So, for example, my Sir Conrad the Grim deck just has whatever swamps I had available because I'm not going to go and get a bunch of swamps as the only thing in the order yeah. on like card market or something, you know? Like, if I remember it when I make place in an order, sure, I might do it. But like, mm. whatever's available as well, you know? So, it yeah. kind of feels like an article at some point. What, what basic lands say about you? Mm. One of those weird sort of BuzzFeed questionnaires. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have the full art from like the recent sets as well. Oh. Um, so the introduction of collector boosters has brought with them loads of just different card versions. So while something people have complained about in the past because there's a lot of product and there's a lot of oversaturation, so people feel mm. a bit overwhelmed, which is completely reasonable. I feel the same. More choices means more affordability. So it means more people can afford to bling out their decks on the cheap, which is good. Yeah. A lot of full art cards aren't that much different in price. And we're talking about the cards themselves. We're not necessarily talking about the basics. We're just talking mm -hmm. about you have your extended arts and then you have your normal versions as well. I'm not going to pronounce the name of this card because I can't do it. So Asimov from uh, Modern Horizons 2 is a really good example <laughs> of this. Um, so the, the full art version costs 40 cents more than the normal version. Mm -hmm. which is great because it means there's more of it, it's more accessible. Um, if you want to see more of the art, you can do for an extra 40 cents. It just seems really, really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and for those that are unsure of what that card was, it's as more in a Marta Cadiz than a Kulda card. You're just showing off uh, I put the work in, so I'm allowed to flex. You can flex. <laughs> I'm not even going to try, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, next up, the Mystical Archives from Strixhaven is fantastic. So good. Like, there's some classic cards in there, like Dark Ritual, Cultivate, Regrowth, all sorts. They're all there, and loads of them are very affordable. Dark Ritual might be like a dollar or something. Yeah. You know, it 
for for that kind of like super fancy version it's real real nice the japanese versions are definitely more expensive because there are fewer of them and often in higher demand but they're still quite cheap overall really yes yeah they look really nice like, i was kind of surprised how much the the english mr kalakai cars were in foil mm. so i picked a bunch up for cube i'm going to bring up my cube a lot because i think that's a really good example for how to make something unique in magic and yeah, yeah. i picked a load up and it was just like cool like this was way more affordable than i thought and obviously you have the edge foils as well if you're into that yeah. which is like the the middle ground between non-foil and foil so with that you know that just puts more out there and it's even more affordable which is great and yeah. i do like the japanese ones it's just i think about accessibility when it comes to magic and if i'm playing like a competitive event mm-hmm. i want to know what the card does i may see it a hundred times but there might be a moment of wait, what does this card do again? And I want my opponents to kind of know what I'm doing as well and not get confused by the arts. But each of their own, which is good. Um, That's fair, yeah. Just on the edge foils, Strixhaven Mystical Archive ones in particular, some of the edge foils actually cost less than the non-foils. Yeah. Because people, I think what happened was people saw them, uh, realized they weren't like the Commander Legends edge foils and went, oh, they're not like that, so therefore they're terrible. When in actual fact, they're not. They're actually very, very nice. They're very elegant. And as a non-foil player, generally, for the most part, the edge foils look amazing. Yes. Like, I, I, I think I'm the ideal market for them because I don't have to worry about the card bending or anything or, like, having my eyes be hurt by the fact that the entire thing <laughs> is a huge mirror, you know. But it just, it's, it's got, like, a little bit of, like, it, it almost feels like, like a little bit of gold leaf, like, in yeah. certain parts and stuff. Like, it's, it's really is beautiful. Also, Modern Horizons, recently. There are some pricey cards in there, but a lot of the etch foils are pretty affordable. You know, like yeah, weirdly the the fetches, the etch foil retro fetches, right? Mm. Some of those are cheaper than the set foil fetches. Yeah, which is crazy when you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just want that old border and you don't care for foil, it seems a good time to pick them up. To be honest, if you, obviously if you can afford it, because I know fetch hands mm-hmm. can be expensive. It's just that was a really interesting takeaway when they did this. I was expecting them to be a much higher. But yeah works for everyone for sure also even the cheaper cards like i got a galvanic relay i actually i didn't buy it i opened it in a collector booster pack uh, the watsy mm. sent me and it was an old border galvanic relay that was also an etched foil and i checked the price and it was like 10 cents and the normal galvanic relay was like 10 cents so they're basically the same price and yeah. it looks incredible um so i have that in my lelia deck now so yeah, I, yeah. I love the old border foils. Yeah. The old border cars in general just look great. Yeah, yeah. Old borders look fantastic. Um, and just one final thing on the etch foils as well. One of the quickest and most impactful upgrades that you can do in terms of bling for commander decks is if you have a commander legends commander, just get the etch foil version of them. You yeah. know, like I have I have SEO and Arden. I could get the etch foil versions of them. I plan to at some point. Um, they're going to be like, maybe. And because they're the most prominent cards that you will see every single game, no matter what, that is the easiest way to immediately give your decks a facelift. Yes, that's what um, Angelo Guerrero does, the Jess guy. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not particularly keen on foils for their commander deck, but they want to make an effort to have their commander in foil because, for the reasons you say, like it's there all the time and it's like, I want to tell people that I care about this commander. So I'm going to get the nice extended foil version for that reason, which is a really good way of doing it as well. For sure. Now, there's one other main point um, before I go on about cards and versions and stuff to get for bling. 
and that is consider buying cards or building a deck in a different language or script than English. Because depending on the cards and the versions, this can be a money-saving hack as well as a bling thing. Because most of the languages are cheaper than English because English copies tend to be the most in demand. That means you can get uh, an entire deck in Korean or Russian or Japanese or simplified or traditional Chinese for the same or possibly even less than the English equivalent. And when it's done right and you do the whole deck layout like that, it's stunning. It really is stunning. Yeah. Individual cards still look fantastic. Like I've got a couple of like, I happened to pick them up when I was opening like War of the Spark or whatever, Japanese packs. And I was get I got a couple of basics that have like, you know, island that's in Japanese or whatever. And they yeah. still look fine by themselves. But can you imagine how good would that look with just everything in Japanese or everything yeah, in Korean? Yeah, I know. And... I know a couple of legacy players in my mm. area that have just Japanese legacy. They've like Japanese death and taxes, Japanese like lands, Japanese maverick. Mm. And it just, it looks fantastic. Like just Having everything so uniform just looks really good. So good. There's a guy in my LGS who has uh, a pauper deck. It's Mono Blue Delver, and it's all great. Korean, and it looks so good. Oh, that sounds great. Mono Blue so, Delver's so great as well. Yeah. <laughs> I like that deck in pauper. Yeah. Now, a little warning with this. It can be a little harder to sell on afterwards due to a lower demand. Like we said, English is more in demand. Mm. But if you're looking to bling out your deck and you're considering this, you're probably not really looking to sell them on anytime soon. So it's probably not going to be a downside to you, really. So just to bear that in mind. Um, another thing I want to bring up ever so quickly is something mm-hmm. that I used to do when I played, uh, like, for example, I used to play a lot of Bant Eldrazi in Modern. So we're going, we're going back a bit. Um, yeah. And what I would do, yes, I wanted to bling out my deck. But if I was, because uh, I, I, it ran a load, load of fetch lands, right? And mm-hmm. obviously, I want to be quick in finding my shock lands for the said fetches. So what mm-hmm. I would do is I would have a slightly blinged or different looking version shock land so I know which one it is to find easily. And yeah. that's a good way to, if you, d- you don't want to like have all the same shock and you're like, oh, is it this one? Oh, no, it's the wrong one. Like sometimes shortcutting that is fine. And that's mm-hmm. why some people have white border stuff. Like white border tron lands are really good for that reason. So you'd be like, yep, yeah, I know it's this one it's that one sort of thing it's just something to keep in mind if you just yep. worried if there's a lot of shuffling like you can use these different card styles to help you find stuff quicker yeah for sure so since throne of eldraine i believe they started bringing these um called showcase frames which mm-hmm. are just different style art styles of cards in the set so like for example in akora you had like the godzilla cards which were referencing mm. godzilla after legendary creatures in the set Eldraine you had the fairy tale like storybook kind of style Double Masters just has gen- generic old arts Kaldheim had the Viking style which is probably my favourite but I'm, I'm biased Sweet. towards North mythology and then D&D you had like the, the rule book module style mm. slash you know uh, storybook kind of thing as well and then you had the World of Spark Japanese planeswalkers which I also thought were really cool yep. and every set seems to have or every standard set sorry just seems to have this going forward which is just really really cool it's just a great way just to customise your deck and your cards and stuff mm-hmm. and it's just worth keeping an eye on the prices because sometimes they're just lower than the set versions like yep. you, you can make a case that the like the normal set, set version may be more expensive at some point because there's just less of them because they keep adding all this new stuff every time. Potentially, yeah. So, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that whenever people see, like you see this every set now, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to do a special frame of this, that or the other for whatever reason. And people see it and be like, oh, yeah, what's he trying to 
you know, scalp us of all our money and this, that and the other. And it doesn't even look like a magic card anymore. It's like, yeah, sure, you could sit there and complain. Or you can get some sweet bling for, like, way less than you could have five years ago. Yeah. So you can just shut up and stop being such a begrudging old moaner. Like, That's a good point, actually. We're hitting to the point now where magic cards don't always look like magic cards. They look like pieces of art. Well, you can, you can make that case anyway, right? Because... Mm-hmm. A lot of the the art is the best part about magic for me. Like some incredible artists, they do some great work. Um, but a really good example of this is the um, the module frames from D and D, like the lands that are like the playbook style D and D modules. Yeah. I think yes, you can play them as magic cards, but there's nothing stopping you from just framing them and just having them on yeah. the wall. And that's what I'm gonna do. And then someone's gonna come over and be like, oh hey, like is this what's this about? And I'm like, oh these are magic cards, but there's this cool yeah. crossover set they did with Dungeons and Dragons, and then that gets the conversation going. You know, it gets people excited, and yeah. I just think it's a cool way to just show off cards as well. You could just frame them as well. Yeah, the way I see it is that like if these things aren't your thing, that's fine. But they're someone else's thing, and no one wants to hear your negative opinion on them. So not every product is for you. Send yeah. tweet. Yeah, I like I I know Watsy said that, but like it's kind of true. <laughs> it's <is> true. <laughs> um, and finally, one other little thing that I wanted to put in: uh, you can get your cards altered. You know, yeah. it is a little bit more expensive. That's why I sort of just threw it in as a shoe in at the end. You can pay artists to alter them. You can send your cards to the artists that put the art on the card and by themselves there's a friend of mine Dylan who plays in the Irish Magic Discord he gets the version of the card that he loves and then he often gets them sent over to the artist and pays for them to sign them you know with real nice fancy signature and stuff and like most artists are more than happy to do it they love doing it and it looks fantastic it shows that you really care that you went out of your way to to make it your own and make it unique and that's really really sweet but the thing is you don't have to do that if you want to have cards altered and now this might require a little bit of practice or something but you could just alter cards yourself yeah like nothing is stopping you from just picking up a sharpie and drawing a top hat on your colossal dreadmoss i don't know like i mean that sounds great it, <laughs> i might do that <laughs> it actually doesn't matter and here's the thing i have a i have a niv mizzet pay rune deck here right where i just put in all the is cards i love and whenever possible i try and get friends or people that i uh, like respect or uh, enjoy the company of or whatever i get them to give me a card for the deck like could be something small like an opt or something and if it's a special version i'll remember that and i'll put it in there and be like oh that's it like i have an opt in there it's a japanese old border a non-foil opt from my friend ian and every time i draw that i'm like that's for me you know and that's cool i like that what I also get them to do is I'll get a friend to Sharpie something on. It could be like that, like a top hat or, or a beard on someone on the art or something like that, or just even a smiley face in the flavor text or whatever. It doesn't matter. But the point is that's altered now in a unique way that that might be something a little more personal where you'll only sort of get the reference or whatever, but it still feels good. It's so one thing I want to do with my cube, actually, eventually, is mm-hmm. get people like friends creators magic personalities to sign cards in my cubes that they're associated with mm. so for example i'd like for you to sign an is card i would like uh, peasant kenobi to sign like a flicker wisp or something like that and i just think it's a good way to just you know they're really unique like and it's just like a good way to just bring memories back as you said it just makes it that really just really individual and very very personal and um, there's a lot of sentimental value with it which is what i think magic should be at times yeah and then 
one other final thing you can do is you can, like I said, alter the art. What I did as an example was I had a fine point Sharpie and I took my mono black control deck in Pauper and I took the Grey Merchant of Asphodels and I drew around the outline of the creature in the art mm-hmm. and then I blacked out the entire rest of the art. So it was just them standing within some negative right. space. And I thought it looked cool. Like I did it just to see how it would look and I was like, like worst case scenario, I'll just buy... 40 cents worth of new cards if I don't like how it looks but it looks kind of neat you know and that didn't require any artistic talent it just required you know keeping a steady hand and going around the lines so yeah even stuff like that can be sweet you know nice but that's it that's probably about 60 different ways in which you can bling out your deck um (laughs) we were considering making this into two episodes but you know what screw it like we'll we'll get it all to you in one go so Yeah, uh, there's an awful lot you can do. Don't ever feel like you're only restricted to the Japanese full art foil Tarmogoyfs or whatever. Like, no. Future site like, foils. No. Yeah, that's it. So, before we round up, Emma, we got any Q&A? Yeah, we just had the one this week. It's been a little quiet. And that is from Evie mm-hmm. the Mage 97 And they just popped a tweet to us just to say, with modern events returning to paper, anyone wanting to get into Tron on a budget should look at Reality Smasher. Under $3 each at the moment and easily races modern, um, like the decks available at the moment. Also, fun interaction. Ragavan decks have a hard time stealing your colourless spells since they can't produce colourless mana. So it's talking Ooh. stuff like Fortnite Seer, Mattery Shaper, Reality Smasher and all that. So that's kind of funny. Um, yeah. Also, in the show notes, um, I've linked my old TCG player articles, which is Tron on a Budget and Eldrazi Tron on a Budget. Yes, mm. they are a little old, but it still provides a good baseline to get into those decks if you want to. And that's pretty yep. much it. Tron has rarely changed, yeah. Uh, it's you just add four as a saga. That's what I did. <laughs> Done. Who needs a new deck when I can just play Tron? Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the cheering fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout five hundred three, Max makes magic. The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, and Edward Whitney. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nerblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, and Mickey Paris. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your book. Next up, in the Mystical Archives from... This is really funny.